Thank you, Lord. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special edition of The Vessel. Oh, Makoroshala. Thank you, Jesus. Father, oh, God, it is just a joy, Lord, to praise you. I worship you, God. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so awesome. I've said it before as you've directed me, Lord, but it is so true, God, that even if I search, not that I would, because I won't, but if I were to search for a thousand generations, I'd never find another like you, God. Lord, you are awesome. You are magnificent and you are wonderful. And we lift up your holy name, God. Oh, Lord, I thank you for blessing me and blessing my family with such abundant blessings, God. We don't deserve them, but that's how much you love us that you see fit to bless us anyway. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. And God, I know that I'm blessed to be a blessing and I want to do that to everyone that I meet, everyone I come into contact with, everyone you put in my life that I am to bless and to love and to influence and to encourage and support. God, I know that those listening to this podcast from wherever it is that they're joining from will receive such a special blessing from you, God. Lord, as only you can do it, God. Lord, you'll touch them. Lord, I know that it'll be your words and not mine that people hear. Lord, that something that you give me to say will minister to them, will change them, will bless them, Lord. I know that you'll anoint every ear to hear, every, uh, every, every heart to receive, every mind to understand. And Lord, that this time together, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise your name, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory be to God forevermore. That this time together would be completely uninterrupted and unhindered by any demonic or satanic forces. Lord, none of me and all of you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, give, give the Lord a shout of praise right now wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Well, my friends, we're continuing in this discussion, but we need to talk. <laughs> We need to have a meeting of, uh, oh, praise God. Glory to God. Well, you all know what's coming. <laughs> First of all, because you saw it in the title. <laughs> but also because everybody's talking about it. Oh, everybody's talking about it. Look, I refuse to use the term pandemic. The only time I'm going to use it is when I say that other people are saying it and that I refuse to use it. I am, I am not going to use that term. I refuse to accept that in Jesus' name. You know, you start putting those terms on people. I'm, I'm preaching already. I wasn't expecting to do that this soon. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Preaching myself happy in the first few seconds of this thing here. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to use that term because you start using terms like that and you just add to the, the, the fear that is already present in this thing. God is not allowing me to use that word. When I talk about it, the, the word I use most often is the insanity that surrounds this. But I, I, uh, I will get there. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Now, listen to me, my friends. Well, here's the deal. I want to welcome you. I want to thank you for joining us. And I pray a special blessing on your life. Now, we're going to continue in our series about faith, about who we are in Christ about our authority, about, about the fundamentals of faith, about the law and love and, and faith, and about uh, all of these different things that I've promised you that God's given me. We are going to continue, and he's confirming that. We are going to continue them here in 2020, and, and, and very soon, and over the next several weeks even, we'll be keeping going in this. And this, this message really today is, is not even off track. It's not even off of, that, off of that track, but it is very targeted, it is very targeted because we have got to talk. Now, I want to talk about it once, and that's the last I'm going to say about it, I believe. Um, other than when we're given praise reports, maybe of how quickly uh, God's power moved 
and we saw the manifestation of what we're believing for. Maybe we'll talk about it in that way. Thank you, Lord, for sharing that with me. Glory to God. But I'm telling you, we're going to talk today about COVID-19 coronavirus. There, I had to say it. All right. I want to answer some questions for you today. From God's perspective, you understand? We're hearing a lot from the world's perspective. But I want to answer some questions from God's perspective. What should the response of the believer be to the coronavirus and everything that's going on because of it? Where is this virus from? What's behind it? How does it get solved? What about all the laws and regulations and recommendations and every other kind of Asian? And what about the way forward and and what happens in the future if there's a corona vaccine all of these questions and more we're going to talk about today on the vessel and i want to start with a very simple question what in the world is even going on all right what is going on i said god lord my best friend in the universe my daddy my father Love, Lord, what is going on? And of course, he answered me. Because when you speak with God, you talk with God, and you're willing to listen, he will. Now, people don't always think that's true, but it is true, my friends. He'll speak to you. He'll talk to you. You just, you believe for that. Yeah, he'll make the secret things known. Now, I know we see only in part, but he'll talk to you. All right? That, that's, that is true. His spirit lives in us. He's not left us as orphans, right? Now, what is behind all of this madness? Well, let me tell you what's not behind it or who is not behind it. And that is God is not behind the coronavirus. I need you to understand that we have got to settle this once and for all, reconcile ourselves to the fact that God did not put the coronavirus on you or on anyone else in this country or in this world. That is not from God. We've talked about some of these scriptures before, but I'm going to go through them again. Maybe some of you haven't heard it. Maybe it's been a while, but you know, even if you have certain things, bear repeating, right? Those of you who are devout believers and already living and walking by faith, you're going to know a lot of this stuff already. You already do know what I'm going to say, in fact. But here's the thing, folks, my friends, certain things do bear repeating for all of us. Amen. And you know what? God said to meditate on his word, to study it, to show thyself approved, that you may be able to give an answer, right, that, that rightly dividing the word of truth, meditating this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Incline your ear to my sayings. Pay attention to my words, he said. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And I shared with you my favorite translation of that particular scripture is the message paraphrase. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul, they're bursting with health. Thank you, Jesus. Bursting with health. That's where I want to be. And that's where I am. That is where I am. Praise God. Glory be to Jesus. And that's where I'm going to stay. How about you? Amen. Now, that's his promise. 
All right. Our, his word is our medicine. Well, what do you do with your medicine? You got to take your medicine, right? Your medicine does no good if it's just sitting on the nightstand. No, no, no. You got to study this medicine. You got to, you got to take this in. And you know, when God said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, I want to talk about that for a second because the word word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, my friends, I don't know if I've told you this yet, ladies and gentlemen, but there are two words that are often used and translated to the word word. One of them is logos and one of them is rhema. Logos means the written word. Rhema means the spoken word. Uh, the word specifically spoken to you for your specific life, your specific situation. Now, how do we get the rhema? Because that's what it actually is in this passage. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema. How do we get the rhema? Well, you still got to have the logos to get the rhema. Okay. Now, sure, he can speak to you directly through his Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Don't ever think he won't. He will if you allow it, if you receive it, if you listen to it. But you also have to study to show yourself approved. You also got to have the, the logos to get the rhema because he'll speak to you through that written word. And he'll add to, to what your understanding is by speaking directly to you. He'll reveal it to you in a special way that means something to you. You understand? His rhema will never go against his logos. What he says to you will never, ever go against the written word of God. All right? So we've got to study this stuff. We've got to understand this stuff. And especially in times like these, we've got to really dig in here and aggressively and relentlessly pursue the word of God. Now, back to what we were talking about. Some of these scriptures you're going to know. God did not give us the coronavirus to teach us something or for any other reason. God gets no glory from the coronavirus. Now he can get glory from the situation because all things work together for good because God loves us so much and is so merciful to us that he's never going to let something go without using it for good. All right, he will be glorified, but God gets no glory from the coronavirus. Uh, let me quickly go through some scriptures here. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, let me say it this way, my friends. Everything that's good is from God without turning, without variation. Everything good, no variation. There is absolutely no darkness in God. Everything good. Now, I need you to understand something about God. A couple of things about God. First of all, God, God will not lie. God cannot lie and God does not change, okay? Acts 10, 34. I really understand now that to God, every person is the same. He is no respecter of persons. In Malachi chapter number three, he says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13, eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Numbers uh, uh, chapter 23, in the 19th verse, he says that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. In other words, he's not, when he says son of man there, he's not talking about like Jesus called himself the son of man. But here he says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. In other words, has he said it and will he not do it? Had he spoken it and will he not make it good? And of course, my friends, in Isaiah 55 and verse number uh, 11, as we've shared this many, many times, that just as the rain and the snow fall and do not return without uh, causing new life to spring forth from the soil, he says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. All scripture, 2 Timothy says, is inspired by God and is useful for teaching and correction 
uh, for doctrine and reproof, for instruction in righteousness, you see, so that the man of God may be perfect and lacking nothing in him, that is, uh, 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 thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, that is his word. God is not going to change. You know why God can't lie? Because the moment he says something, it's truth. When he says it, it becomes truth because he is truth. He is God. You understand? He is all, he is all truth. And so he does, he does not lie. You've got to settle these things. You have got to settle the fact that God will never change. You've got to settle the fact that God gives us every good gift and every perfect gift without variation. Well, I just know, brother Matt, that that uh, this this virus, you know, this is this is brought on us because we are such a sinful nation. This is the judgment of God, my friends. You don't have a clue what the judgment of God would be like. <laughs> this is child's play. Now, I'm not making light of what the coronavirus has done to some people's lives, but this is not the judgment of God. Now, don't get me wrong, sin is at the root of this. But it's not a direct connection. Oh, this town suddenly uh, had, uh, you know, three gay marriages last week, and so now coronavirus... No, that's not how it works. So what do you mean, brother, that that this is a result of sin? Well, I'm going to explain that momentarily, okay? But I need you to accept this. God is not punishing anybody. He's not trying to teach somebody something. This is not from God, okay? We cannot blame God for something that he didn't do, but we try to do that all the time. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later, I think, uh, the, the Spirit's telling me. But let's go and talk about if it's not from God, who is it actually from? And of course, you know the answer. So the Bible says in First Peter that in, in, in chapter number five that we are to be sober and to be vigilant for our adversary, the devil, roams around, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, you understand that means he doesn't get to devour everybody. He can't, but that's up to you and it's up to me. But that's what he does. He is called the accuser of the brethren. And just as there are, just as there's no light uh, excuse me, <laughs> I misspoke there. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. <laughs> just, be, just as there's no darkness in God, so too there is no light in the devil. And just as God cannot lie, Satan is always lying. He is the father of lies. He is the accuser of the brethren. It is lies from the pit of hell that he speaks. And his purpose, what he wants to do, God didn't create him to do it, but he rebelled against God. And what he wants to do is to take you away from God. Now, he is, he is very limited in his power. He really has been defeated. You understand that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, and he was successful, my friends. Praise God. Glory to God. When he spoke his last on that cross, he said, it is finished, and it really was. He was not confused. He was not being melodramatic. He was not lying. He knew exactly what he meant. Satan's power has been removed from him. All right? So... It doesn't mean he won't try because he doesn't wait for an invitation. You see, he's called the thief. And in John um, chapter number uh, 10, John 10, 10, he says, the thief does not come. This is Jesus saying, the thief does not come to, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That is his purpose. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's life to the fullest. That's life that is full and overflowing. You understand? Okay. That is Jesus versus what the devil tries to do. It is the devil 
who tries to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he will do it by lying to you. You see, what he does is he tries to get into your mind. Now, the scriptures say, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And the, the Bible also tells us, uh, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, I believe, my friends, you understand all scripture is inspired by God. All right. That is true. But when things were translated, sometimes I think you can see translations and punctuations and so forth that don't always quite carry the, um, the message in a verbatim sort of way and, and sometimes don't maybe pack quite the same punch. And here's one of those cases where I truly believe, and I have, I have prayed about this, and I truly believe the comma here is in the wrong place. I believe this is to say, as he thinketh, comma, in his heart, so is he. There are a few other preachers who have preached it that way. And I believe it very, very firmly. I am in my heart what I think in my mind. You understand that? You are in your heart what you think. And so if that is the, if that is the case, it all begins in the mind, which we know that it does, which is why he says to do not be conformed to this word, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, give evidence to what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. What I, I, am, what I am in my heart, what I think in my mind. So what's in my mind is what's going to be in my heart. What's in my heart then becomes my life. Out of it spring the issues of life. And out of the heart also, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your words, my friends, have creative power. You and I have got to watch our mouth. You understand? We have got to control what it is that we say. Because here is the root of all of this. What the devil tries to do is to get into your mind with what? With a lie. But you know what that lie is designed to breed? It's designed to breed a couple of things, either the lust of the flesh. You know, I'm, I'm happily married, beautiful kids, great home, but oh, oh my goodness, look at that woman over there. Now I know why they're called woman, because, whoa, man, you see, yeah. and we get, you know, we fall into that trap sometimes. People fall into that trap. There's no good reason for that kind of lust. We're allowing our flesh to give in to the devil. Devil can't make you do anything. Devil didn't make you cheat on your wife. He just put the idea in your mind. And you focus on that idea, and it becomes stronger and stronger. That's the lust of the flesh. The other one that relates to this thing this, the insanity that is the coronavirus, is the fear. Is the fear. Now, you have to understand fear is a problem. And anything that relates to it is a problem. You see, worry, stress, strife, anxiety, depression, all of those things are fear-based. Even concern, thank you, Lord, glory to God, might get a little radical here today. Might say some stuff that's a little bit strong. But I don't want to lie to you. I've got to be truthful with you because I want to help you. Because God said, you got to do your job, son. I said, well, what do you want me to do? I can't go to uh, 
a, a large gathering, we can do it online. God said, exactly, you can do it online. Now, I'm not afraid to go out. Don't get me wrong. We'll go out. We've been going out to different places where it's legal, and it is. We're not, we're not under uh, isolation laws here, but we, we, you know, there, there are limits to where you can gather right now and stuff according to the, what's being happening. There aren't a lot of places open that you can go. <laughs> you, can, you can drive up, get a, a box of takeout, and, and come home. You can go to the grocery store, but we can go to church, my friends. We are having church. We are having church. You preachers out there, I know you've been put there by God. Whoa, I was not planning on saying that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, let me tell you something. You've been put there by God. I don't question that. I don't doubt it. I'm not criticizing you. I understand. I get it. But I'm telling you something, my friends. We do not need to shut down and stop going to church and stop having church. Because in this time, we need it more than ever. You're a preacher and you're listening to me right now? Please don't be offended. I love you with the love of the Lord and I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm just telling you what God's given me to say. We don't need to shut down our churches. We can have church. We can, we can invite people in. You know what? What if somebody comes in with the coronavirus? Well, what's your job as a Christian? The Bible says we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. See, we have got to stop giving in to the spirit of fear. Fear is not okay. Fear is indeed a sin. Well, let me show you that. Here's what I want to show you. Look at this. I'm going to uh, I'm going to look up a scripture here. And it is Romans 14 and verse 23. Romans 14 and 23. Now this is talking about something slightly different, but it relates because here's what he says. For he that well but he who doubts, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, is damned if he eats. Because he does not eat from faith. And here it is, my friends. This is the part I want you to see. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, you know, a while ago, God gave me a revelation about something, and he said, just hang on to it. It's not time for you to say it yet, but the time will come. My friends, the time has come. I'm going to say this. You may or may not like it, but I'm going to say it. There is, thank you, Lord, no such thing as healthy fear. Now, I know right away you're going on and you're coming up with things in your mind. You're coming up with a baby touching a hot oven and burning their fingers and all these other things. Now, let me tell you something. You teach the child. You teach the child. You don't have to use fear as a teaching tool. There is no such thing as healthy fear. That is an oxymoron of the highest order. It'd be about like saying, God said, it'd be about like saying there's healthy cancer. Now, how do I know this with such assurance? Second Timothy 
Chapter number one in the seventh verse, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Who is perfect love? God himself. Now, in the book of Daniel, an image was made in chapter 3, and uh, the famous three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were asked to, well, were, were the, the three that chose to, I should say, to not worship that image. But this image was made in the king's honor, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, assembled everybody together so that they could dedicate this thing, so that they could worship it. And what I want you to understand is, it started with an image. It starts with the mind. You see, what happens is God has all of these blessings for his children, okay? But God operates by faith. You must believe that you receive. God will not force his way into your life. He just won't because we have free will. He will not force his ways upon you. But the devil will. The devil will. He will force his ways upon you. And if you are neutral, if you are neutral in your fear, in your faith and fear and, and your feelings and your words and all this other stuff, what you're going to get is a mixed bag. But depending on your words, that mixed bag is often going to lean towards the, the negative because Satan is the god of this world. He, he's been defeated, you understand? But he still operates in fear, the prince of the power of the air, because he is a thief. Okay? And so, let me say again. God operates by faith. But the devil operates by fear. And fear really is just faith for the bad stuff. It really is just faith in the devil. You see, if you fear something, then you are actually believing that that thing that you fear has the power to happen to you. What does Job say in Job 3? Now, we know what Job's problem was, and, and in the Bible tells us, Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. The thing I was afraid of has come unto me. You can cause, and it doesn't have to be really, really obvious. You see, Part of the problem is we're looking for something really obvious, but we don't know everything, okay? We tend to try to base our lives on what we see in other people, you know? I can tell you that God's will for your health is that you are always healthy, whole, and well. And I will prove it to you scripturally. Third John 2. I wish, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That was, that was John that spoke that, but he spoke that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because that is God's plan for you and for me. Isaiah, 5, uh, Isaiah 55, um, uh, I think I have the wrong scripture there, hold on. Uh, it's 53, uh, 53. Sorry about that. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 53, uh, very famous scripture. You know what I'm going to say. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. These words could more accurately be translated sicknesses and pain. So you could say 
Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. But we, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment or the chastisement of our peace that brought us peace, the punishment that brought us peace, you and me, peace, was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, that was Isaiah's prophecy. Peter confirms it, Second Peter 2 and 24. Surely he has borne our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Now, here you go. By his stripes, by his wounds, by his stripes were ye healed. By his wounds you were healed. You were already healed. Were is past tense. First John 4, 4, for you are of God, dear children, and you have overcome. You have overcome. It's already done. How have we overcome? We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus did it. We didn't have to do it. We couldn't do it. Jesus did it. Jesus came to this earth. He is God. He was God, but he also emptied himself of that to become man. Born again man. Praise God. Now, what he did... He got back for us everything that the devil stole when Adam and Eve willingly gave that authority. We talked about this last time. Willingly gave that authority over to the devil. Jesus got it back for us. And Luke 10, he gave it to us. Behold, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. How much? All. You see it for yourself. See, I'm not making this stuff up. Sometimes I think we get into this mode that they're just stories. Folks, this is the word of God himself, and it is the living word. There is power in these words. It is alive, you understand. Over all the power of the enemy. And just in case you still don't believe it, he goes on to say, nothing shall by any means hurt you. How many of us have lived that? And one of the biggest reasons we haven't at all times is because we didn't know it. And in the absence of knowledge, darkness prevails. The other reason is because even when it began to be taught to us, we resisted it. We didn't believe it. We didn't translate it into something useful. Yeah, I have had people say to me, and, and remember what I shared with you last time. I'm going to say it again because maybe you didn't hear it. Maybe you need to hear it again. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to share it with you again. There is a difference between your belief system and what you're believing. Huh? What? <laughs> there is a difference. Listen to me, my friends. I mean this in the most loving way possible. Listen to what I am saying to you. There is a difference between your belief system and what you're actually believing at any given moment. I have watched people, I have heard people who have believed in God, even people who believed God is a healer, God can heal, but they don't believe they are the healed. Oh, I know, I know, I believe God can heal. It's in God's hands. I know he can heal. You can believe that all day you want, and so what? You can believe God can heal and die because you're not believing for your healing. 
Just because you believe God can heal does not mean you believe when he said you were healed. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm sick. Now, see, I'm not denying the fact that you're sick. I'm not denying the sickness. What I am denying is it's right to control you or to have any say in your outcome whatsoever. Because, my friends, if you start believing for the word healed, the word healed is always going to be bigger and more powerful than the am sick. Mark 11 and 20, uh, 23, he says, and, and, and by the way, when did God ever change his name? Because, you know, people say, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. All doesn't, God doesn't heal all the time. God doesn't heal all the time. Let me tell you something. The word God is from Germany. It doesn't do justice to who God is. When God described himself, he always put a character descriptor after his Lord, except when he said, I am. But any other time, I mean, even that's kind of descriptive, isn't it? But any other time, it's Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sitzkanu, Jehovah Shalom, uh, El Shaddai. El Shaddai meaning the, the God of more than enough. If you really take it literal translation, word for word, El Shaddai is basically the Lord who is the breasty one. You see, it's the... It's the analogy, it's the image of a mother taking care of her children, the breasty one, more than enough. And the other one I want to talk about today, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the God who heals. It's right in his name, folks. It is literally right in his name. Exodus 15, I am the Lord who heals you. When did he ever change his name? And the answer is he never did and he never will because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So then in, in Exodus 23, he says, I will bless you with food and water, and I will protect you from illness. I will remove sickness from your midst. There's another verse where he says that in Exodus as well, that I will not, he says, I, I will, I, the Lord will take away all disease from you. He will remove, he will protect you from all illness, or he will remove sickness from you. He will not put on you the diseases you suffered in Egypt, or another way, in other words, he will not put on you any of the diseases and the sicknesses that you are afraid of, but he will take all sickness away from you. Glory to God. Now back to uh, Mark 11, because here's where our job comes in. You understand? Because the devil will try. The devil will try. Don't ever think that the devil's trying means that God's word doesn't work. The devil is going to try. The Bible says if you suffer, and they don't mean suffer like we think of it, they mean resist. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Mark eleven twenty three. I keep saying it, but I haven't shared it yet. Mark eleven twenty three. Verily, verily, I say unto you, in other words, most assuredly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he says. You don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say. Hmm. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You shall have them. Glory to God. Now, there's several things we can glean from that. The first thing is, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. One of the biggest problems we have, my friends, is that we try to climb the mountains instead of removing them. We have been taught, and we've been taught by churches, that you need to climb the mountains, that God doesn't remove the mountains, he just gives you strength. Isn't that even a song? Lord, don't move that mountain. Just give me strength to climb it. 
That song has a beautiful melody, but its content is a lie from the pit of hell. Where in God's word did he ever say, climb the mountain? I don't know, but I can tell you exactly where he said, get rid of the mountain. And I just showed it to you. It's Mark eleven twenty three, And he shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. See, part of the problem, why you haven't had the kind of success you want, whether it's in health or anything else, is because you're trying to climb mountains you have no business climbing. Speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Now, here's the next thing we can glean from this. Does not doubt in his heart. Now, really, really focus with me. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Oh, glory to God. But believes what God's word said. Well, that's true, but no, that's not what he says here. Believe in the will of God? Well, that's true, but that's not what he said here. Believe in God's timing? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's valid, but that's not what he said here. Believe those things which he says. See, you all are worried about getting too caught up in this because you're afraid that you're going to turn arrogant. Let me tell you something, my friends. Arrogance is when you try to believe differently than what God says. It is never arrogant to say what God says. It is never arrogant to speak the word of God. Now, you can be doing it for arrogant reasons, and you got to get a hold of that because there's got to be love. Faith will not work in an unforgiving heart, which is why in the next verses he tells us that if you have ought against your brother to forgive him. It's also why he says faith worketh by love. You must operate in love. I can have faith that moves mountains, but if I have no love, it's pointless and it's useless. If I make all the noise worshiping and praising in the world, but I have not love, then I'm like a clanging cymbal or a gong. You see, you must have love. So there is truth in that. Don't get me wrong. But speaking what God said is not arrogance. But the devil's going to try to lie to you about that. The devil's going to try to lie to you about that. Let me tell you, this is what it says. Read it for yourself. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he says. You see? The things you say, you must believe. And I have been there so many times where I've, oh God, I believe you. I believe for this. And I'm shaking. And my knees are not going to get it. Oh God, I believe, I believe. And God said to me in the most loving way, but sternly, he said, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I believe God. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd have gotten rid of this problem already. I took care of it for you. I'm not asking him for things that are against his will. Now, you know, that'd be arrogant if I thought I could just command anything of God. We're not talking about commanding anything of God. You don't, how dare anybody think you have the right to command anything of God. We got to get off of that. That, that. That's just another accusation from the devil. We got to get past that, my friends. We're not talking about commanding God here. <laughs> that's, that's laughable. Who's going to command God? We are talking about commanding the circumstances, commanding the situation, commanding the problem to leave, commanding the devil to run and flee, and then commanding the circumstances to line up with the will and the word of God. That's what we're talking about commanding. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, didn't say whosoever shall say to God, whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed, be thou cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says. I believe, Lord. No, you don't. 
You believe I am the healer, but you're saying I am healed and you don't believe it. Why? Because you're still looking at the circumstances. The next point I'm going to make, never attempt to reconcile the situation or the circumstances with the word of God. Because that's not what faith does. Put another way, never attempt to reconcile the contradiction with the covenant promise. You see, we are in covenant with him. That is a covenant which you can never break and he will never break. You can get out of fellowship with it. You can stop focusing on it and instead start focusing on the devil. And that's when things happen, okay? That shouldn't happen. But you, that, that covenant can never be broken. And so, you're in covenant with him. But you've got to stop trying to uh, make the two match up because we walk by faith and not by sight. And the Bible tells us that he is the God who calls the things, Romans 4, 17, calls those things which be not as though they were. Calls the things which be not as though they were. What does it mean to call the things which be not as though they were? It means I can see all around me that there are problems. I can see all around me that the, 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 the numbers where the coronavirus are increasing exponentially, but I don't live by those numbers. I live by the word of God. I'm not denying that they're real. I'm not standing here saying to you that everybody's lying to you, that there is no such thing as a coronavirus. I'm not denying its existence. What I'm denying is it's right to affect me or my family. That is what faith is all about. Believes those things which he says, and then he will have it. Okay? Believes those things that he says, and then he will have it. Believe the things that you say, and then you will have them. Again, people will start to fall for that lie right away. Well, what if you're asking for something that's not God's will? Let's solve it once and for all. Healing and health, prosperity and wealth, safety and protection, peace, joy, and love are God's will. There is no question about that. It is just, the scriptures are riddled with it. I, that word riddled has a negative connotation. I'm sorry, I don't want to use that. The, 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 the scriptures are dripping with it. They're overflowing with it. Thank you, Lord. They are overflowing with God's promises. All of those that I shared with you already. But how do I know they apply today? You know they apply today because his word says they do. Where does it say that? Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And verse number 13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Before we go any further, what is the curse of the law? It's Deuteronomy 28, like the second. I've never really actually, I've never done the, the math and counted the verses, but I would say it's probably the second two thirds, the, the second, yeah, of that, of that chapter. So the first portion is all the blessings that you get if you obey the law. The second part is what happens to you if you break even one part of the law. But remember, you and I are not made right by the law. We are made right by grace through faith in Jesus Christ because of what he already did. So we are now part of the first part, okay? The part who keep it, as long as we have truly accepted Christ as Savior. So what is the curse of the law? It's all that stuff in the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it's terrible stuff. It's sickness, it's disease, it's poverty, it's destruction, it's disaster, it's uh, toil without you know, all of these horrible, horrible things. And basically, it's what we see all around us. You want to know what the fallen world looks like? You want to know what the curse of the law looks like? Just look around. Okay? That's what you see. 
There's even verses about there with fever and inflammation. Yep. Hello. It's there. But Christ, Galatians 3 and 13. Now go back to that one. Should have told you to hold your place, but you're there now, right? Galatians 3 and 13 in your Bibles, on your iPads, your, your iPhones, whatever you're using. Galatians 3 and 13. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is any man who hangs from a tree. In other words, as another translation puts it, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung upon the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Ladies and gentlemen, you can substitute any problem that you want in there. And you can speak it out and you are not lying. Christ has redeemed us from the coronavirus. Christ has redeemed us from the flu. You see, we are rescued from all of those things which are the curse under the law. But it gets even better in verse number 14 that the blessing that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that's us, uh, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All the curses. We've been rescued from all them, but we get all the blessings. He wants to give us all the blessings. Go down to verse 29. And if you are Christ's, are you Christ's? Are you saved? Then you are. Not maybe, not possibly, not if I get all the, you know, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ, co-heirs. Now, another one, 2 Corinthians 2 and 20, that all, for all of God's promises are yea and amen. That means yes and so be it to those who are in Christ Jesus. I like the way... I think it's the, either the New Century or the New Living Translation says it. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, Brother Matthew, I want to believe what you're saying, but it just can't possibly be that God heals Every time. Because last year, he didn't heal me and I had to go into the hospital. Why do you insist on believing that that means that God didn't do his part? Why don't you do a little introspection? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am not trying to offend you, and I apologize if I have. I mean no harm in that and no condemnation. You know, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His word can be painful sometimes because it's going to teach us. That's what he means by the chastening of God. People think he chastens you with sickness. Now, that's ridiculous. It's, it's plain and simple. It's baloney. I don't even like to say that because I like baloney sandwiches. It's, it's, it is. It's baloney. It is. God doesn't chasten you with problems. God chastens you with his word. That's why I shared with you before that the word of God is, is, is quick, sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, I shared, no, I shared the other one. Thank you, Lord. I shared the one about all scriptures inspired by God and is useful for teaching and correction. But he also says that the word of God is, 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 is sharp, strong, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, uh, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, judging the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Guess what? You stay in the Word of God long enough, 
you're going to hear something that may make you a bit uncomfortable. I want to hear it. I am at the point, I have said, God, take me deeper. Show me. Show me what's wrong. Show me what I'm doing wrong. And that's why, because I'm open to that. I'm not bragging. I'm giving all the glory to God, but I'm just being truthful with you. That's why he'll say to me when I say, oh God, I believe, I believe. He'll come right out and say, no, you do not. I don't lie, son. I love you, but you need to stop thinking that there's even a chance that I would lie. By you saying, well, if it doesn't work, then you're really saying, if God lied, if God didn't tell the truth, it's, you're overthinking it, it's so simple. And that's what we do all the time. Well, I know God can heal me, but if he doesn't, you just said, if his word is not true. How can I know I don't really believe what I'm saying because he said, when I do, these signs will follow me. Are they following me? If they're not, whose fault is that? Again, zero condemnation, okay? It's all love. When he talks to me like that, I feel nothing but love. I genuinely feel he's given me the image that he's got his arms wrapped around me and is holding me and cradling me in his arms to the point that it brings tears almost to my eyes to even say it right now because it's so real to me. There is not one ounce of condemnation when he says it, but it's truth. It's truth. And it's what I need to hear if I'm going to grow into the person that he wants me to be. And it's what you need to hear if you're going to grow into the person that he wants you to be. And it's what you need to hear if you're going to do your job the way you're supposed to do it to overcome and defeat this coronavirus. And then people bring up Aunt Mary. I always use Mary. It doesn't have to be Mary. Sorry if we got any Mary listeners. I don't mean to. It, it, it's not Mary. It's just whatever. Uh, you know, well, I, I used to think God healed. But if you had known my Aunt Mary, she was the most godly woman you would ever know. She'd give you the clothes off her back. She was in church three times a week. She was singing in the choir. When she wasn't singing in the choir, she was cooking meals for everybody. She was just the most godly woman. She believed in healing. She prayed for people. She saw all these things happen, and she died of cancer. You've got to stop blaming God for things he didn't do. You've got to stop believing that God's word is the problem. Why do we insist when two things don't line up that God's word must be the thing that's out of whack? If, help me out here, Lord. If I, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. If I stand up on top of a roof and I jump and I end up on the ground flat as a pancake, am I going to say, oh, I guess the roof wasn't strong enough to hold me? Thank you, Lord. That was a good analogy you gave me there. I was blessed by that. You jump off the roof, it's not the roof's fault. But that's what we do. Aunt Mary didn't get healed. God's word must not work. No, God's word is not the problem. You can't possibly. No, I'm not. I, it's not my business what Aunt Mary did. God didn't. Look, 
you got to admit that sometimes you don't know all the stuff. You don't know what was in their lives. But I'll tell you, you can look at many situations in this world which have been rather disastrous. And you can look at the people who live to tell about it and you can see the kind of stuff that they have talked about. And, and oftentimes we may never know because sometimes it is consumed in the fire, just like the thing that started the spark in the first place because it's buried so deep. The devil doesn't want you to find out. Okay? But here's the thing. You are more powerful than the devil when you are in Christ, when you are speaking the word of God, but you have got to stop trying to reconcile your circumstances with the word of God. You've got to stop trying to reconcile the contradiction with the covenant promise. When Jesus was being tempted in the desert, you know what I mean. Satan was there and he told him, hey, if you're the son of God, by the way, the devil is not a faith devil. He is a flesh devil. He really is. You, you are never tempted in the spirit. You're never tempted to worship God or to tithe or to do the right thing. No, you're tempted in the flesh. Like I said earlier by that woman or by that fear, you're tempted in the flesh. He is a flesh devil. He didn't even know who he was up against until he said, if you're the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Now, Jesus was hungry and he could have done it. But what did he do? He said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the father. I want you to notice something. He didn't put his own commentary on it. Again, that's where the arrogance, that's where the pride comes in. He didn't say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, the Bible says it is written that man should not live by bread alone. But here's what I believe. Uh, I, I, I think if I, no, 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 no. See, the devil hates it when you say it is written. The problem is when we try to follow it up, overthink it, and, and, and commentary it out to where we now have injected our own opinion in something that should be so simple. But how many people would be strong enough to stand up and say, I am not going to get the coronavirus or any kind of sickness. Are you going to get sick? Well, I certainly hope not. What's that going to do for you? Well, I prayed I wouldn't. You're praying a prayer God already answered. No. Are you going to get sick? No, I'm not going to get sick. How do you know? Because the word of God says that. Oh, you're so arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I am speaking God's word. I'm just repeating what he said because I believe in him, because I love him enough and I know him enough to know that he is not a liar and I can take what he says to the bank. It is, you have to say what God's word says and stop saying all the rest of the stuff. You have got to say what the word of God actually says. I don't know if I'm strong enough yet. I, I don't know if I believe. Look, I didn't even ask you to believe it. I'm asking you just to say it. Just read it. Read it day in and day out. You walk around throughout the day. Uh, it, is, it is your will, Lord, that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, I have already been healed. You will bless me with food and water and you will protect me from illness. There shall be no miscarriages in my life uh, or infertility in my land and you will give me long, full lives. Uh, you will not put on me any of the diseases that I'm afraid of, but you'll take all sickness away from me. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, I was already healed. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. You do this over and 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 over. And my friends, it will begin to take root. Glory to God. It will begin to take root. And you'll believe it. Don't ever say you don't have enough faith because God has given to every one of us, the measure of faith.
And he, Jesus, is the author and the finisher of our faith. You got exactly the amount of faith you need, but you've got to learn to act on it. You've got to learn to receive by faith. That scripture I was just talking about, Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. New Century Version says, but you will not be hurt. And then in verse number 10, nothing bad will happen to you. No disaster will come to your home. See, there aren't exceptions. Very clearly, nothing bad will happen to you. I'm not making it up. It's scripture. It's the word of God. All you got to do is say the word of God and believe it. And if you don't believe it yet, you keep studying it and praying and ask God to help you and you will believe it because that's what he said. And then you will defeat the devil. Why? Because that's what he said too. Because the devil can't stand up against that because the devil's already a defeated foe and God is more powerful than the devil. God's already defeated him and you get your hands off Satan in Jesus' name because you have no power. You understand? He has to respond to that. He doesn't have a choice. Oh, he hates it. Oh, it makes him angry. We talked about Daniel 3. The king got so mad when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't want want to do what they said. He got angry and red-faced and he said, you make that furnace seven times hotter than it normally is. Yeah, he was going to kill him. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you know how to fight him. Ephesians 6, we, wear, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. What do you do? You put on the full armor of God. And when you talk about the fuller armor of God, the shield of faith is the first one with a promise. Do you ever think about that? The shield of faith is the first one with a promise. I'm not saying the other ones should be neglected. They should not ever buckle. A, you need, a, you know, the, the truth helmet of uh, salvation. You, you know, the shoes uh, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need all these things. But the shield of faith is the first one that has a promise. The shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy, not just some every one of them. And the coronavirus, my friends, is no different. By the way, the coronavirus isn't even that strong. The coronavirus is a little weakling. The coronavirus can't even hurt children. You got to be elderly and you got to be compromised in some way. I have read articles. There was a 102-year-old who survived the coronavirus. There was another who was 60 who has survived the coronavirus. So it's not just being old. And that's not even old, by the way. God said we got 120 years coming to us. But that's a discussion for another time. But he did. He did not say four score and 10, four score and 20. That was, that was a very, uh, very frustrated, uh, very downtrodden at that moment, Moses, who said that. God's only statement about life length was 120 years. It's in Genesis 6, if you don't believe me. He promised us 120 years. Whether we receive it or not, you got to have something to stand on there. you got to have foundation with that. I'm going for it. But anyway, I digress. Praise God. You, you, it is not just being elderly. This virus is not even that strong. It is basically just a, a little weak, tiny strain of the flu. But it doesn't matter what the sickness is or how strong it is. It could be the most aggressive thing 
and you still have power over it because everything with a name must bow to the name of Jesus, that at the mention of which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, everything. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's not an option. He does not have a choice. But you've got to believe what you say. You've got to mean it. And you have got to avoid fear. When fear comes knocking, because the devil will try. And that's what he has done so successfully with this coronavirus. You know, God showed me a few weeks ago exactly what's going on with this coronavirus. And that is this. The return of Christ is close at hand. And the closer it gets, the more desperate the devil's going to get. He got sloppy this time because it's so obvious to somebody who's living and walking by faith what he's doing. He is using fear to the utmost. The problem is the world is falling for it. And then they try to put forth their own form of common sense. Yes, God told us to have wisdom, but earthly wisdom is not the same thing as godly wisdom because the Bible tells us that the foolish things are used to shame the wise. He also tells us, do not, he tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. We ought to be troubled when it looks good to the world because we're called a peculiar people. And you see, all this is scripture, by the way. Um, and you see, we got this common sense stuff now, supposedly, quote unquote, that is really not sensible from God's perspective. But I'm going to talk about that before we close. But I just want you to understand right now, do not fear. We read about the fact that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Fear is not of faith. Do not fear. When Jairus, Jairus, when Jairus was, uh, was, was there, talking to Jesus. Jesus knew what happened. He said to him, do not fear. This is a command. Everything that Jesus spoke is a command. Do not fear. It wasn't an option. It wasn't maybe. Do not fear because the moment you do, you're going to kill faith every time. Now, God never got one ounce of glory from people being sick. He got glory when they were healed. And it says that he went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, how many? Every sickness and every disease among the people. You know, he didn't, they didn't record every healing and every miracle that he did. But the Bible says he went about healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he was, when he got, and it says, uh, the multitude marveled when they saw the lame walk, the, the uh, mute speak, the ma uh, uh, blind see, the main made whole, and they glorified the God of Israel. That's when he got the glory. You know, he, he didn't say to Mary and Martha, oh, I love you, <sighs> daughters. I'm sorry, but the answer's no this time. Lazarus is dead. But give me the glory anyway because I'm God and I'm worthy. Well, he could have said give me the glory anyway because I'm worthy. But you see, when he got glory is when he said to Lazarus, get up! 
and Lazarus rose from the dead and returned to his rightful place. We were not created to die. We were created to live forever. And we now have eternal life. But we don't have to wait for eternal life for things to start getting good. We can have it now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm showing you scripture, my friends. I am showing you scripture. Now, you have got to watch your words. I started to talk about that a little bit ago, and I want to return to it before we talk about the final things here. Uh, the last part's going to be really short and, and very just simple and practical stuff, but I, I just want to do this first. We've got, well, God wants me to do it first. We've got to watch our words. You know, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love of it shall eat of its fruit. Now, I'm telling you, you have got to watch your mouth because you'll breed into that fear. You will breathe life into that fear instead of into faith. And we are so, so careless about this. See, the devil knows what buttons to push. God showed me recently a way to say it that is slightly, you know, he said, hey, don't worry. The devil will meet you where you're at. <laughs> and it's true. He will. But what happens is if you allow that to take root instead of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and you actually, then you're going to start speaking it out. And boy, is that a problem. We're, 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 as a nation, we are so bad about that. We've adopted it into everyday language. That scared me to death, someone will say. I nearly died. <clears throat> yeah, and then somebody points it out. Oh, you're just being picky. Yeah, because that's what he said. He said, the bridle my tongue to put a sentry to guard my mouth. He said that the, the power, see, you know, words have creative power. God created the heavens and the earth with words. He said, light be, and light was. And now we shall have whatsoever we saith. Well, I didn't really mean that scared me. No, the devil doesn't care what you mean. He's going to take what you say. You are licensing. That is authorized power, my friends. That is authorized power. And you're either going to license God and his angels or you're going to license the devil. All he needs is an access point. He cannot do it on his own. He is powerless against you. You have no reason to fear. If you knew, <clears throat> excuse me, if you knew what the devil thought of you, <laughs> you, would, you, would, <laughs> you would turn right around and you would laugh. And we don't want to do this at people. All right, that's not loving, but we can laugh at the devil. You would turn around, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you think you think you've got the power to do anything to me? <laughs> Be gone in Jesus name and he will. He has to. He doesn't have a choice. You see if we understood how terrified he is of us. That's why we have coronavirus. Because he's got to work overtime. He's got to come at it from every possible angle. He's got to affect the non-Christians so that people think that God is punishing those who don't love him. He's got to try to affect the Christians 
He can't do it if we don't let him, but he's got to try. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people he can do it to because they've, they've allowed that. Uh, he's got to try to, to affect the Christians so that people think there's no point in a relationship with God. See, we're called to be living, uh, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ in our lives. We're called to be living epistles for Jesus. Well, you, what, what are you showing? What, are you, what message are you sending to people about God? His word says he heals, but I'm afraid of the coronavirus? Come on. You start talking, though. You start talking, and I'm telling you, you're going to license power one way or the other. One way or the other, you're going to license power. Oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I, 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 you know, and we do this. We love God. We say, we, you know, we praise God, and then, oh, two minutes later, oh, it's so bad. Oh, I just don't know. I've literally heard people do this, my friends. And I'm not picking on people again. I, I love people. You know, Jesus loves people. All right? I love people. I'm not saying anything bad about people, but I'm being truthful with you. I've literally heard people praising God. Oh, thank you so much for praying with me. Yes, I believe God's a healer. I love God. He loves me. And two seconds later, I just don't know. Things are so bad. Things are so bad. And here we got the coronavirus and we got everything shut down. Our nation has been brought to its knees, but not kneeling before God. Thank you, Lord, for that analogy. Our nation has been brought to its knees, but not in worship to God, but in worship of a weak little virus that doesn't even have the power to harm you, that you can overcome simply by the name of Jesus. Believe, receive, speak. You can overcome it. And as a matter of fact, you already have because he did for you. First Peter, uh, second, yeah, what did I say? Sorry, second. Uh, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's already been done. Watch your mouth. Watch the words that you say because you don't want to license the wrong power. Oh, my grandmother is 70 years old. She had pneumonia last year, so I just know. I just know she's going to get this thing now. I don't know where I was. I probably picked it up and gave it to her because now they say you don't even know you have it, so I probably gave it to her. Yeah, you talk like that, you probably did. And what's worse, you speak that kind of negative stuff over your grandmother and you don't combat it with the actual word of God. You're setting her up for failure later, whether it's by the coronavirus now or the regular flu next year or something else. Because the words that you speak have that kind of power and you are going to authorize and license one or the other. You're either going to license the devil and he's going to get to do what he wants to do, which is all he's looking for is that little opening. Or you can speak God's word and you are now giving him. You see, now his word, because you're, you speak it, you believe it, and so shall it be. And I can assure you that he will 
put his angels to work for you, they will, perf- they, will, they will form such a protective barrier around you, thank you, Lord, that the strongest disease in the world would not be able to penetrate. But oh no, we can't have church because, listen to me, bring people into the church. If somebody's got corona, get them healed in Jesus' name. Can I do that? These signs shall follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you believe? If so, what signs are following you? Now, I want to just talk about a couple of really practical things before we close here. And the first one is, what about all these recommendations? All these laws that are temporary mandates, okay? Well, first of all, let me be very clear All trouble has an expiration date. This will pass. The president has stated that, and it will. It will pass. Most of the closures of non-essential businesses and stuff are estimated to be for two weeks. I know we got people saying, oh, what if they're longer? But here again, you got to stop speaking that. Oh my, what if they turn out to be eight weeks? Oh my, what if my business goes under? What if I can't pay for it because I need... You have got to stop talking like that. You got to stop. That's that same fear. You got to stop it. Do not fear, he said. Now, in the meantime, I do believe Romans 13 applies, which says that our leaders have indeed been put into power by God. So if you have a mandatory closure, you honor it. All right, we're going to honor whatever the law says. And if there's a mandatory closure, we're going to honor it. Now, I think with church that there's a bit of a difference because with the separation of church and state, I think there's a maybe a boundary there. And I think there's a civil, uh, you know, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or, or Daniel in the lion's den. I think you have some, you know, depending on how, how serious these. But look, our leaders are trying, okay? Now, the sad part is that they're falling for the lies of the enemy and the lies disguise themselves as caring, which is what the devil will also try to do, inject it. You know, the worst kind of lie for the devil to tell you is the one that has part truth in it, okay? So, yeah, it's a great idea to sanitize your hands and wash your hands, my friends. That's not something you should ignore. And if somebody says to you, oh, well, why do you wash your hands if you really believe that God? First of all, you got to pray about whether you should even answer that because most times when somebody asks that, that's not coming from God. But here's the thing. If you really do want to know the answer to that, it's quite simple. Psalm 91.11 says that he shall command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways that they'll bear you up, they'll lift you up that you might not strike your foot against the stone, but it's in all your ways. Now, when the devil used that, remember I shared with you when devil when the devil was tempting Jesus in the desert and Jesus kept just saying, it is written. Every time that Satan would try to throw one at him, he'd knock him down. It is written. Bam! It is written. Boom! Just as simple as that. It is written. And it was done. But the devil, then he, the devil, I told you, he'll meet you where you're at. Don't worry. He said, all right. He can quote scripture, so can I. He said, hey, jump off of there because he'll command his angels concerning you. You know I'm right. That's scripture. You can't argue with that. Well, the problem is when the devil quotes scripture, there's usually something wrong with the quote. It's usually a half-truth or a misunderstanding or something missing. And what was missing was in all your ways. Would Jesus normally have jumped? No, of course not. Would you normally go around without washing your hands? 
Would you normally let somebody cough on you, cough in your face? That's not faith. That's stupid. Okay? Wash your hands. Take a shower. Goodness gracious. Bless God. <laughs> but go about all your ways, your normal life. Obey the law. But where you don't have to hide and hunker down, then don't. Live your normal life. Live your normal life, my friends, and do not fear. Live your normal life and do not fear. What if I spread it to somebody else? Well, he said a thousand may fall on my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. If it doesn't come near me, then I don't have it. And if I don't have it, then I can't spread it, can I? That's not arrogance. That's not selfishness. That's I believe God's word more than I believe the circumstances, which is what I am supposed to do. And I believe God's word because I know in whom I believe and I know that he is not a liar. If he said it, it's true. And he said, it shall not come near me. So it won't. Okay? Why, why, why would he let his child, one of his children, be responsible for somebody else's death because you get... No, 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 that's ridiculous. Again, you know, common sense. Somebody tells you they're not feeling well, don't go around them. Okay? That's fine. That's common sense. But live your life. You don't have to stop going out of the house. You don't have to buy two skids of toilet paper. You don't have to stock up on food. Look, you're making things worse. You know, I heard something one time uh, from an astronaut or a flight controller or a test pilot or something. He said, you know, there's no problem in the world that is so bad that you can't make it worse. Well, you know, that's exactly what people are doing now. If we run out of, which we're not going to run out of food in the stores, but if even for a day or a, a few hours we run out of the shelves, run out of food, it's because you you did something really, really uh, what's a nice loving word I can use? Uh, senseless. Thank you, Lord. That's a nicer loving word than what I was going to say. You did something really senseless and you bought 12 packs of toilet paper. You didn't need to do that. Okay? And you can go and pick up food. Maybe your restaurant still has sit-down. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But you can go get takeout. You can go out of the house. You can, you know, look... This nonsense, but they're trying to put it off as that you're doing the irresponsible thing if you do that. Well, if you really, really want to stop this, then you need to help us by hunkering down and hiding. They didn't say that. They said stay home. But listen to me, my friends. You have got to make the decision based upon the word of God. Now, as I said, if it's a law, you've got to obey it. And I agree with that 100%. All right. I recognize the authority that our government has. It's been put there by God. How long? Why is it taking so long? It took something like this to bring our nation together and stop all the toxic fighting between the Republicans and the Democrats and everybody. We ought to be embarrassed about that. Everybody ought to be ashamed of that. At least I haven't heard him say President Trump called, caused the coronavirus. At least I haven't heard them say he's the one who caused it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I heard somebody say that. Look, folks, I'm not getting into a political discussion. You know, President Trump is our president. He was put there. He is there. The Bible says he was put there by God. He's not perfect. Neither am I. But I can pray for him. And I, I, can, I believe that he's doing the best he can. And the Democrats, you may not like a Democrat. You know what? They were put there by God too. They're not perfect and neither are you. And you can pray for them. And you can recognize that they're doing the best they can. 
I wish they wouldn't fall for the lies of the enemy, which they are doing terribly in this. I truly believe this period of history will someday, though maybe not right away, be viewed as the epitome of human foolishness. But I'm telling you, either way, I'm not in their position. I'm not in their shoes. They are doing the best they can do. If that means that 75% of the businesses in my area have to be closed for the next two weeks, then that's what it is. You know, either way, God is good and, I, and God's with me. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. Everything is fine. All is well. Now, last point for this today. What if in the future there is a coronavirus vaccine? Where does the Christian go with that? And the answer to that is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Simple as that. You have got to decide where your faith, you've got to know where your faith is. What your, Look, we have medicine in our cabinets. I take it far less now than I ever have, praise God. But there's Tylenol, there's probably Mucinex, you know, Dimetap, there's stuff. And I go to the doctor, all right? But I, when that coronavirus vaccine comes out, am going to say, no, thank you. I don't need it because I am under the care of the great physician. He is the one who protects me and makes me healthy, whole, and well. And you may think I don't have protective antibodies against the coronavirus, but I'm telling you, I do because God said I did because he said he's protecting me. So whether they look like protective antibodies to you in the earthly sense or not, they are there. They are God. He is there. He is the protector. He is the one. He has inoculated me. And it's in my DNA, divine nature applied. Thank you, Brother John. Great man of God who attends our church. Divine nature applied. You see? Colossians 2, having canceled the written code with all of its regulations that were against us, he nailed them to the cross, removed them out of the way, made a public spectacle of them, having disarmed the powers and the principalities. He disarmed them. They are not a threat to you and me. They don't have to be. If we allow them to be, if we start talking that, believing that, focusing on that, obsessing over that, we are bringing that on. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can have the blessings. You can have the health. You can have the wealth, the prosperity. You can have the safety, the protection, the peace, the joy, the love. All of these things that God has promised you that are yay and amen. Yes, and so be it. To those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you want to get the vaccine... Go ahead. Look, either way, God gets the glory. And as I say, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There will be those of you, I strongly believe, whose workplaces require you to get the vaccine. All right? Look, you know, it's not my job to be a prosecuting attorney for the world. I just got to be a witness. You understand? That's what I'm called to do. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And, and I believe right now that things are going to change as we pray. I believe that the coronavirus, thank you, Lord, is about to begin to see its demise. That it is going to see the decline. That it is going to 
the, 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 this is going to be the turning point in this situation. I'm not even going to call it a crisis because I'm going to say what God says. You're going to see the turning point, my friends. You wake up, you're going to watch the news, and you're going to start to see diminishing cases. Okay? But here's the thing. Either you are going to believe God or you're going to believe the devil. Please make the right choice. Jesus, God said, I set before you, I call heaven and earth to record against you that I have set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life. Father, we choose life. Lord, I praise you and I worship you. I thank you, God. I love you. I love you so much, Lord, and I thank you that I am well, that I am healthy, that I am protected, that I am safe, that I am happy, that I'm prosperous, and that the joy of the Lord is my strength, that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, and that you have given to me, Lord, the measure of faith. But Lord, it's not only me. It's my entire family. It is my wife, my son, and my daughter. It is my parents. It is the people in my church family, my pastor and his entire family. It is our church body. It is anyone who believes. God, I recognize I'm not better than anybody, and I don't have any more faith than anyone else. We all can believe for this. You have given to us as born-again believers that power, that, that faith, and, and I thank you for it, God, and I praise you. And I speak directly from out of that place, out of that faith. You have said that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says he will have, whatever he says, I speak to the mountain that is the coronavirus, and I say, stop in Jesus' name. You have no power. You cannot do this. You cannot do this anymore because you have been defeated. You cannot do this anymore. Anymore. You understand? You hear me? Satan, you hear me. You hear me. I know you do. You can't do this anymore. You can't do this. We're going to stand up and we are going to back you into a corner and send you packing because, because Jesus already defeated you. And in that wonderful name that is above all others, name of Jesus, we put a stop to your work, Satan. We put a stop to Corona. We put a stop to the virus, to all of those things, and to all the negative effects, both in the body and in the, the economy and in the communities and everywhere else. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Because, God, we know what you want for your people. You want them to be happy, healthy, and well. You want them to be blessed, and we are blessed. And I believe in this, Lord, that you will be glorified. Someone's being healed right now of the coronavirus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone is literally being healed right now. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's actually being healed as they're hearing this right now, the coronavirus. Maybe you don't even know you have it, but you have a tightness in your chest. You've been feeling it. You've been afraid of what it is. You've been half afraid to call the doctor because you're worried you're going to be taken away from your family for a couple of weeks or months. You are healed right now. I want you to take a deep breath. You know who you are. You are healed in Jesus' name. I didn't do that. I want you to understand. I did not do that. God did that. Jesus did that. 
because he loves you that much. Give him the glory. Folks, if those are not shouting words, I don't know what is. But you, I, thank you, Lord. God, I praise you, I worship you, and I love you. People being healed right now. More than one person, I believe, as you're listening to this right now, you're being healed all over the place. And not just to the coronavirus, but other things. Pain in the stomach, pain in the throat, pain in the right ear pain in the shoulder. Thank you, Lord. You can speak this out. Brother Kenneth Copeland has his congregation do something, and I love it, and I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm taking anything copyrighted here by saying this, I, 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 because this is, this, is, this is biblical, and this is scriptural, and I love this, and I want to use this, and you can say, you, you can say, I call myself well. I call my body well. Say it. I call my body well. I will not give in to fear. I will not give in to the coronavirus. My lungs are well. I call my chest well. I call my back well. My temperature is well and is normal. I call my lungs well. I call my stomach well. I call all of my organs well. Folks, you can go through your whole body and you can do this. Why? Because you have been given that authority in Jesus' name, not in yourself. You understand this is not about some kind of a show of strength. This is about the love of God. And that's what he has for you. He wants to bless you that abundantly. He wants to be, and he deserves to be glorified. But he also, he wants you and everyone you meet to benefit and to be blessed. Now, everyone you meet is going to be much more blessed if you can actually get up out of bed and go share the gospel with them and not be in quarantine, right? Okay? Now, I know we have great technology, and that's a gift from God, too, and I praise God for FaceTime and for iPhones and i-everything <laughs> and, and all these, you know, and the podcasts and all this stuff. That's wonderful. Bless God. But I'm telling you, there's something about being there in person. When you go to church, the, that's why he said, do not, like, do not neglect the fellowship of the brethren. I tell you what, I've been blessed by this tonight, and I hope that you have as well. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, a special blessing. I know people are still getting healed right now as they listen to this at this very moment. They're receiving that healing. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Someone's eyes, someone's eyes being healed right now. You've got, you got trouble seeing your eyes are being opened right now in Jesus' name. And sinus drainage right now is just... Coming to an end in Jesus' name. You're being healed right at this very moment. Receive that. Walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. And I love you. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. My friends, if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you really need to do that um, because all of these benefits we've talked about are yours as a believer in Christ. You've got to accept him. You've got to have a personal relationship with him first. Not only that, but there is a literal hell, which is um, not where you want to be. And if you don't know Jesus, when that time does come, that is where you're going to end up. It's not God sending you there. That's, that is, he has to be true to his word and you must enter into relationship with him by faith. He wants to save you 
and he can, and he will. But you got to believe for it and receive it. If you want to accept Jesus, if you're maybe not sure that you've done it or you just don't know, you can pray right now something like this. You can say, Lord Jesus, I know that I need you. I repent of my sins. I know that you're the son of God, Jesus, and that you died for me. Your blood is sufficient to wash my sins away. I believe and confess that you, Lord Jesus Christ, you are Lord. I make you my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. And, and my, thank you, Lord, my Father, I pray. I know you've heard those sincere prayers, the genuine hearts, and you've saved those souls right now. And I know those folks are on the path of righteousness now and that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. You love them as much as you're ever going to love them. But I know you'll also show them things that they can do, that they can change, that they can fix, and you'll help them to be obedient to you. And I know you will pour out such powerful blessings on them that there will not even be room enough for them to contain them. Lord, I, I pray that for everybody who's listening. Lord, I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, one final thing, my friends. If you did just pray that simple prayer and uh, you meant it, then I know that you just got born again, and that's awesome, and we rejoice with you. Send us a message and tell us about it. You know, the angels in heaven are rejoicing too, by the way. What you do need to do is start to dig into the Word of God, get into a good Bible-based, a Word-based church that really believes the Bible is the authority, uh, is the is the authoritative Word of God. And uh, if you happen to be in our area here, we certainly would love to have you at North Spring Christian Church. We invite you to come in and our doors are open. We're having service on Sunday. So come on in. God bless you all. We love you. I mean that, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time very soon, by the way, on The Vessel. For more information, visit our website at thevessel.blog. Send us an iMessage or an email to mspacelife at icloud.com.